You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Kentucky. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. Uh, We're sorry we didn't have one for you on Wednesday. That was the plan. Sometimes plans change. Our apologies, but uh, we will have one tomorrow, another podcast tomorrow, but we're going to go back to – we're going down to three days a week for Locked on Kentucky. And the plan is to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But this week, uh, things changed a little bit. So we have one for you today, and we've got some you know stuff to talk about. Uh, just today, Thursday, as we're recording this, uh, within the last hour, Johnny Juzang announced he's uh, going to play for UCLA. Uh, some other stuff we'll talk about. Keon Brooks making it official that he's coming back. Uh, Tristan Cox, football player down at Pulaski County, one of the top players in the state of linebacker. He chooses his college, and it's not Kentucky. We'll talk about that. Uh, did you see De'Aaron Fox, what he looks like now? Uh, we, we have to discuss that. And then just one of the saddest things, uh, it's just always sad when, when someone – when a parent loses a child, and that's what happened for John Robick and his family, they lost a daughter this week to liver cancer. Uh, some just just awful. It's just unthinkable. Uh, also, Kyle, you spoke to Mitch Barnhart for an article in the Athletic that's up now, uh, just about how Nutter Fieldhouse is becoming a hospital. They announced that they were going to do this a couple weeks ago, and now they're closing in on on getting that finished and transforming that facility into a 400 bed makeshift hospital. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Like I the story I wrote for the Athletic today, the point I made was, you know, if you were going to write a you know, uh an apocalyptic type story uh or movie uh set in Kentucky in the state of Kentucky, that it might might begin with a scene of you know horse racing shut down, basketball season canceled, uh, and the football facility being converted into a field hospital. Um, yeah, and that's all reality. Um, you know, and it just really it struck me when they announced that last week. Just like what a stark image that was. Like if anybody wasn't, if anyone around here wasn't taking. COVID-19, the coronavirus, seriously, I don't know how you could think, (laughs) I don't know how you could think anything else, Uh, but this is a real issue when you see the football facility in in two weeks, they're flipping it fast in a span of two weeks, start to finish, and it may may end up being less than that, being converted into a hospital for overflow patients. They may not use it, they hope they don't have to use it, but they were, uh, they did not want to be caught unprepared. Um, right. Expecting a surge of cases. And so they started doing this. Um, so one, it was, you know, I, I started, I wanted to write about it, talk to the people involved because of that. The imagery of that just is so powerful to me. And there's some pictures of the story. It was just crazy to see all these partitions going up. They put down yeah. like 150,000 square feet of, of uh, flooring with like 175,000 rivets or something crazy like that to secure it. And then they started putting up these partitions and they're going to have, 
you know, your room is basically a partitioned off space in this big open field house with a, with a heavy duty cot. And, um, it's like a large cubicle basically. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's, it really looks like a army, you know, you know, yeah. when you see the scenes from war, uh, you go in a big tent and there's a bunch of guys on cots and that's the hospital. Um, and, uh, and so I wanted to address that. And then, um, and then I, I, I just, in talking to Mitch Barnhart, the athletic director and the doctor, who's, uh, the vice president for, uh, healthcare at UK in charge of this project. Um, I was, I guess, struck and impressed by, especially from Mitch's end, just the, the level headedness of, uh, the approach and his, you know, overriding theme was. One, he agreed like, yes, this is the, the imagery of that, of the, this hospital going up tells you like, this is really serious. Uh, and two, it reminds that like, as we're all trying to like, Oh, when is sports coming back? Uh, there's a lot bigger (laughs) fish to fry right now in the world. Um, we're trying to beat a virus that is very scary. Uh, and they, and their part of it was, uh, you know, I guess UK looked at, um, the healthcare uh, aspect of it. They were looking the hospital group were looking at different, uh, several different UK athletic facilities and Mitch Barnhart and, and the athletic department said, Hey, whatever, whichever one you need, you got them, do what you want with them. And I thought that was a cool thing. Um, and then just, I think in just in Mitch's whole approach, you know, I asked him a lot of kind of specific questions about the topics of the day as they relate to sports that have really popped. Like, uh, I believe last week it was the Penn state athletic director who said, she thought that uh, football programs would need at least 60 days to ramp up yeah. for a season. I asked him about that. Um, you know, Mike Gundy talking about <laughs> this week, uh, the I'm Oklahoma State coach. I'm yeah. 40. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, He's close uh, to 50 now, isn't he? He is. Closer I think he is 50, 50 now. Yeah. Um, you know, saying that his players were young and strong so they could overcome the virus. And so get them back to work because, uh, you know, we got to, I think he said, we got to start running money through Oklahoma again, which is just about as craven as you could get. Um, He's a jackass. And then, um, you know, Kirk Herbstreet saying he didn't think there was any way the season would be played in the fall. And then all the coaches that have sort of lashed out back at him. I asked him about a lot of those things. Uh, You know, there've been some schools that have already announced they're going to cut coaches salaries and athletic uh, salaries for one year to offset the financial losses from events being canceled. All those things. I I asked him all those kind of pointed questions. And in each of them, in one way or another, he kind of circled back to the idea that um, now is not the time for that. You know, that, that every, every focus ought to be on getting people and keeping people healthy. Um, And so I thought that was, that was interesting. You know, one of his quotes I'm trying to pull it up here. Um, he said, uh, he said, there's, uh, there's not one student athlete, not one coaching staff member, not one fan who doesn't want it to come back because we miss it, but it's got to have its right and proper place behind the health and well being of the people that are fighting for their lives right now. So, you know, that, that was kind of the, the overriding theme of everything Mitch Barn had hard had to say. Um, and I thought it was important. I thought that's a that's a powerful message from somebody who a lot of people in this state are listening to. Um, yeah, and so I, I, that was that was great. I thought. Yeah, I just um, 
it's good. It's important. I think. Yeah, like you said, to see leaders um, take take the serious approach, of, like the abundance of caution. They may never use Nutterfield House, but it's too late when you don't have any hospital beds left and you need four hundred more, and you don't have one ready to go. That's too late by that time. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's just so frustrating uh, to see people just come up with their own opinion on this. Oh, like, like they know better, like they know better. What, what qualification do you have? What experience do you have that tells you, you know, better than the medical community? And it just drives me crazy when I see that stuff. So yes, yeah. it's nice to see someone like Mitch Barnhart um, step up and, and be level-headed about it. Cause the truth is, yes, we all would love football season to start on time, but it's probably not going to. And we, you just have to look at it like once all this is over, but we have to get through all of this first. Quit trying to rush stuff back. We're, we're a democracy. We're a capitalistic society. We will make it back. I mean, yeah. the, way, the way we operate, we will make it back. Like one year of this, shutting stuff down is not going to ruin all of those things. Right. We're going to make it back. People still want the things they want. There's still plenty of entrepreneurs out there. I mean, we're just waiting until the time that this passes and it'll all go back to normal and it'll be fine. So it's, it is nice to see um, Kentucky's athletic director acting the way he is, as opposed to the way Oklahoma state's football coach who has a mullet is acting. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. The, the one other thing I would note from that, I talked to, like I said, the doctor uh, and vice president of uh, healthcare at UK about some of the, the public healthcare stuff. I said, you know, whether it's athletic events or just students returning to college campuses, which is a, a step towards athletic events, I would think, um, you know, when could that happen? When, how far are we from, you know, large numbers of people being together again. Uh, and he said, right. that is a difficult question, but you obviously want to err on the side of caution. We'd like to see the number of cases declining. And then we would like to gradually move back into it. Start with reopening some businesses, start with stores before you get to the larger gatherings and sporting events and some of the other things while you're opening, you watch what happens. Let's say we start reopening. This was an interesting sentence to me. Let's see. We let's say we start reopening in two or three months. That was that stood out to me. Let's let's say we start yeah. reopening in two or three months. So that right. will tell you we're a ways away. The coronavirus will still be here, and maybe we'll have a treatment, but we probably won't have a vaccine by then. So you have to gradually open, and as you open, you start to have more events. Watch what happens to the infection rate. The key thing is open and watch and wait, so that if we see another spike, then we figure out how to manage that. So, you know. It, the, yeah. the gist of that is slow and careful. Um, and so everybody that is hoping like there's a switch that flips and a couple of weeks we're back at it. It ain't going to be like that. Now there's this idea that there's going to be a spike in the fall uh, that maybe by the time we get to August, the numbers have declined enough that we could start slowly reopening things and get back to business a little bit. But then by the time we get to October, to be cautious again, to flatten the curve, as they say, um, 
And so I was like, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. That's, that's what's in my head. The picture I have of this, just from what I've read and from what I've heard uh, from, you know, various different sources and people, you know, much smarter than me working on this is, is that it's, it's likely going to take us a few more months for these numbers to get to a place where we feel comfortable about going about our business again. And then when we do start to do that again, we have to be cognizant of the fact that when the weather turns cool again, we can see a rise in the numbers and to avoid that, uh, put the restrictions back again and see if we can control the numbers again. And then, you know, maybe in December, January-ish, you know, I mean, just think about how this is going to affect Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving. And I mean, yeah, that's I mean, the way I'm even, thinking about this. Is I haven't even have let to... my mind go there yet, but that's, you know, if we aren't allowed to gather on these major yeah. holidays, that's a, that's way well, sadder you can't have to me a than vaccine. You can't have a vaccine without having tested it first and finding out the side effects. So if you don't, to do that, that's a 12, 14, 18 month process. So you can't just whip up a vaccine and go, yeah, this seems to work on a uh, few people. They, uh, after a month, they seem fine. Let's give it to America. That, that's just not going to happen. They're not going to do that. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on from this and um, be back and talk more uh, UK basketball when we return on Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on Locked On Kentucky this week. Keon Brooks uh, made it official. Uh, we figured that was the case, that he was coming back. But he made it official. Uh, so far, it has been um, uh, Ashton Hagens and Tyrese Maxey have made it official that they're going pro. Keon Brooks has announced that he's coming back. Still waiting to hear from Emmanuel Quickly, Nick Richards, and EJ Montgomery. Uh, but it seems highly likely that Emmanuel Quickly and Nick Richards are going. And then EJ still kind of up in the air, but. Uh, a lot of excitement that Keon Brooks is coming back. I think Calipari said uh, he thinks he can be a special, special player. Yeah, I, I I thought he would have been a bigger impact guy than he was, really. I thought he was kind of maybe the X factor uh, going into the season. Uh, and he started to be that in some stretches down the down the stretch. The way He couldn't have left much of a better uh, final freshman impression than what he did in Gainesville. Um you know, I think that that offered and a couple other performances performances he had in the second half of the season kind of offered some hope about what he might become. Um, so if he's the only returning guy, it's huge. Uh, he's got a, a huge opportunity. He'll play a bunch of minutes next year. I don't think that'll be a problem. He's going to get his shot. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think there was any thought that he was leaving. Uh not transferring and, and certainly wasn't going in the draft. So um, not a big surprise, but I think it's good to just, it's funny that at a place like Kentucky um, you come in and you play, you know, 15 minutes a game as a freshman and have totally, you know, pedestrian numbers and you have to make an announcement that you're coming back, <laughs> you know, like nowhere else yeah. does that happen. Nowhere else right. does the eighth man have to announce that he's coming back. Um 
And you kind of have to do that every year with all the guys on the, you know, all the way to the end of the bench um, because they might transfer or they might go pro, uh, even if they're yeah, not on a mock draft. transferring, Johnny Juzang, uh, now, now committed to UCLA. Um, he put out a pretty lengthy statement uh, about it. Um, but Mick Cronin, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how he, he was thankful for the opportunity at Kentucky and, you know, thank John Calipari and, and all that, but uh, I, I don't know about Mick Cronin and Johnny Juzang. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see how he likes that, I guess. You know? I don't think he loved Calipari's aggressive coaching. And yeah. I don't, so I don't know. It's like out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. Uh, with, with that's Mick what it Cronin. seems like to me. He, he's a, a super laid back guy. And uh, Johnny is. Mick Cronin is not. No, Cronin um, is not. Cronin you know, seems and, super uptight. And, and Johnny's very, back home. Um, yeah. I said he know. grew up 15 minutes from Westwood. Yeah, you know, and you know, the thing, thing I would say about Johnny is, is, I mean, for whatever you want to say about it, he grew up in a, a, a affluent family. Um, he's very close with his family. He went, he said he wanted to transfer because he was homesick. So I just wonder about like, you're now you're back home, you know, mom can do your laundry again. You're kind mm-hmm. of this laid back, uh, rich kid, uh, yeah. playing for a super intense coach and everybody that was around, like, you know, when Cal Perry talks about the clutter, like everybody who's in your ear is now right. Literally now physically right can there. be in your ear. Yeah. Um, how's that going to go? You know, the first time you hit a roadblock or you and, Cronin don't get along and everybody's right there, you know, patting you on the back saying, no, it's not, it's your, it's their fault, not your fault. Um, that, that seems to me like a little bit of a dangerous combination, but I, maybe I'll be wrong. I think Johnny can be a great player. Like I think if Johnny had gone to a place like Gonzaga or somewhere like that, that would have been a home run. Uh, this one, I just don't know. Like I, he may work, may work out great because I think he can really shoot it and score it. And if, Maybe that trumps everything else. He just goes and plays well, and he and Mick get along fine. Won't surprise yeah. me if it goes the other way. Right. And um, speaking of uh, commitments uh, on the football side, Pulaski County has a linebacker named Tristan Cox, uh, really good player down there in Pulaski County. He had had offers from Louisville, Kentucky, West Virginia, others, but He's picked Purdue, and he's going to uh, play for Jeff Brom up there, which um, I, I don't know how big of a loss it is recruiting-wise for Kentucky, but uh, Tristan Cox is definitely one of the you know top ten players in the, in the state, and they want to be able to get those guys. They did a great job of getting them in this last class, getting the, uh, the, the, the guys out of – Louisville, the class before that, um, this past class, getting the uh, the defensive back out of uh, Bowling Green. His name escapes me now, but uh, you know what I'm talking about, the top five player um, over there. But anyway, they've done a pretty good job of it. This is just uh, – and and they also got a quarterback, Kaya Sharon, also out of Pulaski County, but went to Somerset High School. They got a commitment from him. Um, so I, I don't know how big of a loss it is, but – you know, anytime an in-state player takes off and goes elsewhere like that, 
um, young man from Frederick Douglass High School in Lexington, the uh, offensive lineman, Walker Parks, who went to uh, Clemson. Anytime that kind of stuff happens, eh, you know, it's it's a little concerning, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how big a deal it is. Uh, cause I don't, I'm just not as plugged into the football recruiting right now, but, uh, I know they want to build a kind of build a fence around the state and, uh, they, they, they slipped in that a little bit a couple of years ago and so then sort of refocused and put marrow on Louisville. And that did seem to stabilize some things in the state, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I couldn't speak much to it other than I'm sure they would have loved to have him. Yeah. Well, if they can get Jagger Burton, uh, the offensive lineman from Frederick Douglass in Lexington, who also has offer from Clemson, if they can get him, I think they're okay. They're all right because he's he's the big fish, yes. uh, I think, in the state the very, this year. And yes, then, um, the very big fish. And then the young man, uh, Dakel Crowdis, who went who was at uh, Douglas, then he went to IMG Academy in Florida, and now he's back. He's going to play his his uh, next season back at Douglas High School. And he had already had an offer from, uh, oh, gosh, all kinds of schools. Michigan. Michigan seemed like one of the, the favorites for him. Uh, but he'd be a guy. If they can get him, they can get those two kids from Douglas, they'll be in pretty good shape. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, have you seen De'Aaron Fox's haircut? My goodness. We'll talk about that next uh, we return on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, we're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. And very sad, sad, sad story this week from the UK basketball family. Assistant coach John Robick. He has been with John Calipari uh, almost the entire way. I mean, since Memphis... I think, uh, I want to say uh, Robick had become the head coach at Youngstown State, and it didn't work out, and he was didn't have a job, and Calipari called him and said, hey, you've got a job here. Come join me. Come back. Uh, went back with him uh, to Memphis, and he's been with him, I don't know how many years, but he's been with him a long time. I mean, he's he's his, uh, his first lieutenant, if you will. I mean, he has been there through the whole thing. So they're family. Uh, you know, Calipari always says La Familia, but I mean, the Robics and the Caliparis are more family than than anyone else um, in that in that circle. And so, back in January, Haley Robic, their firstborn, their oldest daughter, uh, she was diagnosed with liver cancer, and then the family let it known over the weekend, or I think on Monday, maybe said that she she had passed away. She didn't make it. And that's just always so, so tough for I I have you have kids. I have kids. I mean you just can't imagine that that you would have to bury them before before you go. No, I I, I don't know. I've I've said this before. I don't know how parents who lose children go on and, you know, obviously children, actual children, um, that's easy to imagine the heartbreak of that because they're far too young, but someone in their twenties is far, far too young as well. I her believe, whole life ahead I, of her. Yeah. I believe, I believe she was engaged to be married here oh, shortly. Um, oh. It's just, 
super, super sad. Um, and I think they had had some hope that, uh, she had found or was going to find a donor. I know that a ton of donors, uh, showed up, uh, when they put it out that she was looking for one. Um, I believe several of her family members were option, or at least one of her family members were options there as well. I think she may have just been too sick to, to get it done. So I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if she was, if they identified a donor or if she was well enough to try a transplant, but, uh, just the whole thing is very sad. I know, uh, I know they were, the family was very moved by, uh, all the people who reached out and tried to help them and support them. Um, and, uh, I just, I don't know. I, the, the whole thing is just crushingly sad because you know, that, um, that John Robick also, went through a, probably a good chunk of the season uh, with the weight of this on him. And I don't yeah. know how you do that. I don't know how you go to work uh, every day um, with that in the back of your mind. I'm sure Cal Perry and those guys gave him however much time and space he needed. Um, he's a special assistant to the head coach now. He's not one of the full-time uh, assistants. So I think that probably gave him some freedom to be away from the program when he needed to be. And hope he was able to get a lot of time uh, with her and with the family, but, uh, she has a younger sister. It's all very sad. Um, she was pretty well known around the community. She, uh, I know Jennifer Palumbo and Joey Palumbo, they, she babysat their kids. She posted about that. And mm-hmm. uh, I think did that for a lot of people in the community when she was younger. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. It, uh, I don't have really have the words for how much, uh, grief they must be feeling. I, I, been very fortunate in my family over the years to not have uh, to not be hammered totally hammered by um, people going too soon Uh, but I've seen it a a lot around me and it's just I I am always amazed by people who are able to kind of pick themselves and go on so pick themselves up and go on after something like that so everyone just send your send your love to to the Robic family for sure yeah it's it's one of those things that strikes me. I don't, I don't have one of these things in my life that, that they're going to now have like every member of that family, every single day for the rest of their lives, a day will not go by that. They don't think about her. They don't think about losing her at such a young age. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that that is going to be how the rest of their lives go. Not that in 20 years from now, it won't be easier to deal with, but the, it'll still be there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I yeah, just can't fate. imagine I mean, it's that. just a huge, huge um, hole in your life. Uh, somebody that yeah. you would expect to, you know, if you're her sister to grow old with, to, if you're her parents to see uh, all these life milestones be accomplished, mm-hmm. it's just tough. So um, yeah, just for yeah, sure. So thinking sending about our, our best to them. Definitely keep them in your prayers and thoughts. All right, so we're going to finish up on De'Aaron Fox. The kid has he's had the the uh, I call it the sideshow Bob, which is not um, I don't know how many people De'Aaron Fox's age know what I'm talking about, but sideshow Bob from The Simpsons, his hair was kind of wild like De'Aaron Fox's. That's that's the haircut it reminds me of. Or some people maybe a younger generation would think of. Like uh, one of the kids from Rugrats, maybe the way his hair is, but it was <laughs> it was uh, distinct. 
It it was it was different. It, and now, now that he has cut it off, he does not look like the same person. Like when I first saw it, I thought, well, that's a hoax. That's not that's some internet BS. And then I look closely, I'm like, wow, I guess yeah, that really is him. And he looks one, uh, like a different person, and two, like ten years younger. I don't know how old he is. He's gotta be what, maybe twenty-three? And he looks maybe 15. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's really <laughs> weird. Somebody, I got a message from somebody. Uh, actually, I think Curtis Birch was the one who said this. Uh, I'm trying to see. He basically made up a new name for deer. He sent me that picture of deer and he said, uh, uh, Kentucky's new point guard for 2020, 21 is uh beer and docks. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well, he could definitely sneak, pass for a high school student. Try There's to no sneak doubt. him back in the door. Yeah, he. It's crazy how much much younger. Uh, just cutting his hair off made him look. I mean, it really. Right. If you told me, if you told me that that picture of him was him in like eleventh grade, I would yeah. be like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I see it. Um, it's strange. Yeah, I, but I think he is, of he course, is. still a very young man. He's like what twenty twenty two now. Yeah, been in the NBA for three years, and he's twenty two. But I think he loses some of his swag. I mean that that hairstyle, that haircut had it had something with it. It brought a certain energy. And now he's just got regular old, you know, close to the close to the skull cut. I mean, it's just I don't know. I need to see him play basketball with that haircut again to to get you know, get accustomed to it. It's just very odd. All right. Yep. We're gonna wrap this show up and tell you big tease for tomorrow. I, I don't want to say too much. I, I just want you say what you think you can say, Kyle. I, mean, I think I think there's a chance that uh, in the next few days, maybe tomorrow, um, Kentucky will add somebody to their roster. Um, uh, they need they have two needs. They need a they, they need a veteran big man. They need a veteran guard, preferably a combo guard uh, who can play on the ball or off. Um, may need a couple of big men, um, but they need veteran guys. They're going to be a super young team. And when you talk about the backcourt, they've got probably going to be three freshmen, five-star freshmen in the front court as you're waiting to see if Nick and EJ leave. Nate's already gone. Then they have basically nobody but a couple of freshmen who are probably not start from day one kind of guys. Um, and, and, you know, we know they're one option at least in the front court is Matt Harms from – Purdue, the seven foot three kid, and there are a few options on the table uh, at guard. Uh, they're they are going to fill one of those vacancies very soon, uh, and I think they're going to ultimately fill both those vacancies with really solid, uh, potentially high major guys uh, who are grad transfers, and um, you know they could go in a, in, a, in the span of a week or two, they could go from major questions and holes. Uh, because as we talked about, they could lose eight of the top nine guys from last season to, mm-hmm. I think, being able to feel much better, much more stabilized if they get the, the guys that I think they may get. Uh, so that's that's really all I can say right now, but I think they're in a good spot to take care of their needs and where you'll have, at worst, Keon Brooks back as a, as a really good sophomore and then adding – fifth-year senior guys who've played at the highest level of college basketball, you know, to steady you, if not start for you, to be 
uh, guys that you can count on as as viable, legitimate Division One players from day one, and 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 sort of veteran presences in a locker room that's going to be would have been otherwise really dominated by youth. Um, and I don't think that's a, a small thing. They're, they're going to have plenty yeah. of talent. I mean, they they they've signed the number one recruiting class, like easily the number one recruiting class, and a very good one with some high end prospects. And they're going to have at least one really good player back from this year's team. Um, but they need some vets, and I think they're about to get one soon and, and two before much much time has passed. So there you go. A good reason to tune in for tomorrow is we might have some news. And remember where you heard it first. All right. For now, uh, you follow us on Twitter. Um, yeah, especially if some of this, if something like this uh, develops and happens, you definitely want to be following Kyle Tucker at... Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. And right now, go ahead and tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.